Welcome to Career Tools. This week, the Career Guidance Meeting. The questions this cast answers are, what is a Career Guidance Meeting? Why would I have a Career Guidance Meeting? And how should I prepare for a Career Guidance Meeting? Before we start this week, I want to quickly tell you about the Roadmap app, which Manager Tools has been developing for iOS and Android. It's now in beta or beta, depending on how you say that. It's a completely interactive roadmap for every step in starting to roll out the Manager Tools Trinity, one-on-ones and feedback. And it has enterprise capabilities, which means if you're managing managers, you can see how well they're doing one-on-ones and feedback. We're really excited about it. And you'll hear more about it in the weeks to come. Now, on with the show. Kate, you and I did informational, or we, we recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago about informational interviews. And career guidance meetings are similar, but they're kind of different in that they're almost exclusively appropriate for people about to finish their schooling, whether that's high school or college in the the UK at 18, or whether it's university at 20, 21, 22, depending on how old you are. And also, you're not asking for information, you're asking for guidance, which you might have guessed from the title. The difference between information and guidance is information is facts about a situation. So when you have an informational interview, someone's telling you, okay, this is the industry. This is where it's going. These are the new things. This is how many people I expect it to employ. It's going up. It's going down. And all of the facts have the same weight when somebody is uh, answering your questions in an informational interview. It's like they're just describing the landscape to you. Someone who is giving you guidance is advising you in which direction to move. They have some weight to the recommendations that they're making. And, you know, some things are weighed more heavily than others. So almost they are looking at the landscape and saying, hey, you've got three roads and this is the road I recommend for you. And they have skin in the game. You know, if they make a recommendation for you to go in a certain direction and it doesn't work out, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a pinch in your relationship there because they've given you guidance and you've followed it and it hasn't worked out. As guidance givers, we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard because the person we're giving guidance to is going to take action on the guidance we give them. So there's, there's a real weight there. So what are we going to cover, Kate? We are going to cover four things. Treat this meeting like an interview. Have an answer to what do you want to do and where. Have specific answers for your education, about your education, and don't defend your weaknesses. So treat it like an interview. It's pretty likely that someone that you're asking to give you career guidance, right? The person that you're asking this guidance from has influence over your career. Because we're talking here about not just information, because you could get information from anybody, but you're actually asking for a recommendation. The best advice comes from those people who are ahead of you in their career and they're in an industry or role that you want to get into. And it's a lot more narrow of a focus, right? It's a tighter set of requirements than for informational interviewing. In an informational interview, like we discussed in our previous cast, you're trying to get information about the fa- the path that you might follow. It's just facts. It's almost like someone's describing the party to you. They're saying, it's on Friday, it's at 7 p.m., there's going to be bean dip. But in a career guidance meeting, you're actually getting 
guidance on the path you will almost certainly, right, follow. They're saying, I think you should go to the party or not. That's how it's different. And so these are two different things. It's factual facts, factually based, or this is what I think you should do. So if you want to be a database analyst in a career that is with a healthcare company, the person that you might meet for the guidance meeting will be a database analyst in a healthcare company. Someone who is in that role already and knows a little bit about what's going on. It might even be somebody who is a manager and they have directs who work for them who are database analysts in a healthcare industry company. Since the person that you're talking to and getting this guidance from is closer to the prize, they're closer to that job you're looking for, they're, they're in that position, they have more influence over whether or not you get that prize. They probably know about openings in their industry or openings in their company. Right. Let's give you an example. Let's say you do you want to be a database analyst in a healthcare company. We'll stick with that example. For your informational interviews, you could talk to people who were database analysts in different fields, or you could talk to people who were in healthcare companies but not in databases, because it's okay that they're only giving you part of the picture. Um, that they're only describing, as you said, they're only describing the party. They're maybe only telling you what time it is and that there'll be bean dip and then you get from someone else that uh, what where it is and what the dress code is. So when you're informational interviewing, you're looking for lots of information that gives you a good idea of the commonalities and the differences in the role and the industry, but you're getting that information kind of piecemeal. But when you have a career guidance meeting, you're going to try and talk to someone who is really close to the role you want. Because they can't, uh, somebody who is, say, a database analyst in financial services, they're going to find it hard to make recommendations about what it's like to be a database analyst in a healthcare company. They can tell you what it's like to be a data analyst, a database analyst, but they can't tell you kind of exactly what you want. So when you start to work out what it is that you want from these informational interviews, you kind of bring narrow and narrow and narrow the requirements for the people that you're meeting with until you meet someone who is directly related to what you want. If you meet a database analyst in a financial services company, it's unlikely, depending on how big their network is, that they can give you a hand in getting a job as a database analyst in a healthcare company. But if you are meeting someone who is a database analyst in a healthcare company, or the manager of those people, or a peer of those people, they know people who have jobs in the thing you want. And so they really have some influence. They can put your resume forward, and they can make a recommendation about you. They can give you leads on new jobs. And so you have to treat this like an interview. Yeah, you, you have to be careful, right? You have to think about the rules of interviewing, things like be on time, yeah, I wish we didn't have to say be on time. Me too. But it's it's not common that people are on time. It's, you know, it's actually people are late a lot. And being on time really means that you need to be 10 minutes early. We don't want to keep the person that we're meeting waiting. You do need to be there first. It's polite and it really shows enthusiasm. Someone who's late, unless, I mean, it was outside of your, your control because people always get really upset when we say don't be late unless it's something ridiculously outside of your control or just something like that, you should be on time. You should be 10 minutes early. You should be there first. And you should view this as a behavioral way to demonstrate that you're enthusiastic about your career and the meeting 
and respectful of this person's time. If you're not excited about your career, who is going to be? Who's, who's going to do that? It's your job. And one of the ways that you demonstrate that is through these behaviors. So you need to be on time. You need to wear clean clothes that are maybe a little nicer than you normally would. Dress up, right? Yeah. And who would think that we have to say clean clothes and dress up? Um, except that we get emails from people who say, hey, I had a career guidance meeting or I had a meeting with someone I could have employed in my company, a casual meeting, and, you know, they were wearing their work clothes or whatever. Like, this is a business meeting. You want to show that you respect the person you're meeting and the process and that you know how to approach a business meeting. And some of you will say, I know how to approach a business meeting, but I'm going to this meeting straight from work. And let's say you're a landscaper because that's a common job for people in college. And so you go to the meeting with your landscaping clothes on because the meeting is at six and you finish at 5.30. How does the person you're meeting know that you know what to wear to a business meeting? The only way they're going to tell is if you turn up to this business meeting in the right clothes and you're planning not to because you have to go straight from work. So we would suggest make it a different time, make it 6.30 or take your clean clothes to work and change at work and then go. Remember that this person who has influence over your career is getting evidence about what you know and what you know how to do from this meeting And you want that evidence to be, I know how this works. Yeah, we can't, you can't expect them to guess from your outfit what you meant to do, but didn't do. You can expect them to look at your outfit and say, oh, this person is dressed up or they're wearing a suit or they're wearing business casual clothes. They look nice. They're prepared. But if you come in and something else, they can't guess at your intentions, They have no way of knowing your intentions. And so we're going to behave accordingly. We're going to dress up. This is an opportunity from which you could get a job position. I mean, if that's the case, wouldn't you want to be prepared and dress nicely, right? If if you think this is going to lead to a corporate position or a job or a role that you really want to be involved in, then we want to be respectful of that. And one of the ways we can do that is by dressing appropriately. So we want to be on time wear clean clothes that are a little dressier than you normally would. And we would suggest that you have an answer to the question, what do you want to do and where? (laughs) I love meeting people. And actually, I have a resume that's in my inbox right now. And uh, the first question I asked was, oh, and somebody asked me to review it and make some comments. And the first question I asked was, well, what do you want to do and where? Because that affects the advice that I'm going to give you. If you want the person you're meeting for a career guidance meeting to have the influence over your career to make decisions to your benefit, then they have to know a little bit about what your goal is. They can't give your resume to the right person if they don't know who that person is. They only know who the right person is based on knowing what you want to do and where. Yeah, there's not a lot of help that someone can give you if they don't know what you're looking for. And it's not their decision to make. So coming in and saying, oh, well, I just would like more information to help me decide. That's what informational interviewing is for. That's not what this meeting is for. 
This meeting is about guidance. And so you need to know a specific job title or type that you want to be involved in, right? Something where I can help people, something where I like where I work with kids or something where I work with numbers. That's not specific enough. There are thousands of jobs. There's millions of jobs out there. And even something like, oh, I'd like to use my computer science degree isn't specific enough. Maybe you want to be a software engineer. Maybe you want to be an analyst. Do you want to be in IT? Do you want to be an IT auditor? Those are all vastly different things. And so we would suggest that you are pretty specific and that you know going into this meeting what it is that you want to do, what kind of role you want to be involved in, and where you want to do it. This isn't in the show notes, but if you don't know what a specific job title is for what you want to do, A, you haven't done enough informational interviewing, but B, look on Monster or Indeed and guess at a job title and look at the job description. So when you find the one that sounds like you would like to do it, use that job title. Yeah, there's so many roles out there that would use a computer science degree and they're all vastly different. It's better to have a job title, a description that you know about. And it's not just enough to know what you want to do because you could do, especially if you're talking about a computer science degree, you could do that thing all over the world in any industry. So we also need to know where. We need to know location and what industry. The temptation here is often for us to kind of be a little bit vague because we don't want to narrow down our opportunities. We're trying to keep our options open to a certain extent. And so we don't want to rule ourselves out. What happens though, is that we end up with the opposite result. The person you're talking to can't help you because they don't have a good enough idea of what direction to point you in. If it's vague, they don't have a good idea of where to put your resume. We get conversations started all the time about resumes and job openings and I actually talked to somebody today who's looking for a role and they said, well, I don't know. And the first question I asked was, are you interested in moving? Right. They gave me a list of companies and I said, well, are you interested in moving? And they said, no. And I said, well, that pretty much solves that problem. I know exactly, you know, I mean, that narrows the field and that's good. That's really good because now I don't have to think about all of the millions of places where they might, you know, use a computer science degree, for example. It's really hard to do it if you, as the person who's getting this guidance, don't know what you want. Think about it this way. If you're at the grocery store and you ask someone in the, who works there for help and you say, I just want something for dinner, that person is going to struggle and it's going to be much harder for them to answer the question of which aisle you should go to. Then if you said to them, I need ground beef because I'm going to make lasagna or I need milk because I'm going to make pancakes. Those are insanely different things. And so that when you say something like, well, I'd like to work with kids or I'd like to use my engineering degree, what you're saying is, I don't know. Choose for me, which is the worst. Wait, uh, no, that's not fair. You're not saying choose for me, but that is what happens in the end because the person has no clue, no direction from you as to what you want to do. And so they have to choose. If they're going to put your your resume forward, they, I mean, their choice is they could not put your resume forward or, or, you know, send it to someone in their network, or they can send it to someone in their network and they choose who. So you're abdicating responsibility for your own life, which we would suggest is not a good idea. 
Yeah. This is your career. You're in charge of it. And you need to have enough information ready for this person so that they can help you. Otherwise, you're just swimming in a really big sea. There's no way to do that. So we would recommend that going to this meeting, you know what it is that you want to do and where you want to do that thing. And if you're struggling with what do you want to do, we have more guidance. There's another podcast called What Do You Want To Do? If you go to the website and you find the search bar and you type in what do you want to do, it'll take you to that podcast. So the next one is have specific answers about your education. Yeah. Again, there's a need for specificity here. And it really just comes down to it's easier to help you. It's easier to give you guidance when the person who's doing that has an understanding of your circumstances. So recommendations for a person with a 4.0 GPA or a 2.0 GPA would be really different. Recommendations for someone who's graduating in September rather than April, those would be different as well. Even if it's March or June now, even if it's a different time of year, whenever it is, the guidance is going to be different based on when you will complete your studies. And so we want to be specific here. There's no reason to... Well, I won't say that because people will think there's a reason, right? But it won't do you any good to be lacking in specificity or be vague here. So when they ask you, what's your GPA? You say, a number. Now, my favorite answer is, well, but well is not a number. Well is (laughs) not a number. (laughs) Nor is you see or you have to understand or my dog ate my homework. You have to begin with the number. You can tell the story after. You can tell them, I had to work while I was at college. But, you know, something awful happened in my family while I was at college, and so my GPA is is low. I was a party kid, and now I've grown out of it. Whatever the reason is for your GPA that you want to give, you have to begin with the number and tell the story afterwards. Because if you do, if you tell the story first, the person is only listening for when you say the number. Because that's the question they've asked. And so they're just waiting to hear a number and they're not really hearing the story at all. So if you say the number and then tell the story, you get all of it heard. Mm -hmm. And we have a whole podcast about how to answer questions about your GPA, which you, along with handshakes, you wouldn't think we could make a podcast about, but we have. So We absolutely have. Go to the website and and search answering questions about your GPA. Yeah. And a a note here, guys, a disc note. Hi, eyes. You do this because I do it. And I have a former colleague of mine and I would go into his office and I would say, is there a meeting at two o'clock? And he would say, well, (laughs) and I, then you have to listen for your, there's a whole story there and it doesn't answer your question at all. So we want to have a specific answer and we know our GPA. So we should just be able to say a number, then tell the story. We also want to have a specific answer for for when are you going to graduate? And it makes a lot of difference to the guidance you'll get. If you can say June 2017 with a 90% certainty or September 2017, I expect I have to go to summer school for American history. That is the right way to answer this question. The answer to the question is first and then a little bit of background if you feel that you need it. (laughs) In the U.S., Graduation seems to be a more, much more flexible thing than it is where I grew up. But even when I went to college for my master's degree, I graduated in December, which is really unusual. So you have to be able to tell people when you're graduating because 
it's not always the standard that you think it is. Mm-hmm. We tend to get really comfortable with our own reality and forget that you could graduate at any time, especially now when there's so many options for school. Mm-hmm. If you're taking an online course, something like that, it could lead to graduating in, I don't know, August or something. You have to answer this question so that they can help you. You're giving them the information so that they know how they can assist you. And so specific answers here about when you're going to finish and all that stuff will help them to give the right guidance. It also shows, by the way, that you can set a goal and look at the steps it'll take to get there and track progress. If you don't know when you're going to graduate because you don't know what courses you have to take, it doesn't give a good impression that you know the steps to get something done. It's kind of like, well, you know, I don't know when the project will be done. Okay, at work, that's not something that we're really super interested in. (laughs) It might be one thing to feel comfortable letting the university direct your coursework. That might be something that you're comfortable with. And at work, we have to manage projects. We have to motivate ourselves. We have to look at the task list ourselves. And if you're managing projects at work, and we all do, Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Not everyone has project manager as their title, but we're all managing projects. And at work, you're going to have to be able to say, well, this is when it will be done. These are the steps it takes to get there. And this is just another way to state that about your current situation and goal, which is graduating from college, university. So we want to be specific. We want to say, I'm going to graduate in June or I have a 3.2 GPA. Yeah. And then tell the story if you want to. Yeah. The last part of our guidance is don't defend your weaknesses. Um, before we start, we all have weaknesses. We have to, right? There's there's math involved or maths. If you rank all the skills you have in order, the bottom 50% are your weaknesses. They have to be, right? You have 50% of the things you can do. You can do better than that. So compared with the things that you're doing better than, the bottom 50% are your weaknesses. Is There's no judgment in that. It's just math. Your weaknesses are the things that you're less good at in the grand scheme of all of the things that you could be good at. The person you're meeting with knows you have weaknesses. Everyone does. Yeah. Once you get in the workplace, you'll find out everybody has weaknesses and they can become really clear really quickly when other people depend on you. And if you know the specific areas of weakness that you have, Again, you help your advisor orient your guidance. For example, if you know that you have a weakness in detail consciousness, he's not going to guide you into a role where accuracy with details is required. If I was going to somebody and I wanted career guidance, I would tell them, do not give me anything with math. I can do adding up and take away, and on a good day, I can do division, and that's it. (laughs) Like anything that required more math than that, I'm going to be useless. And it's good to know that up front. It is. Again, this is just more data for them. You're giving them the data to make a recommendation to you. And so there's no need to defend it. It's simply true. There's some stuff we're better at and some stuff we're not as good at. So don't defend your weaknesses. You're talking to a person whose role it is in this context, in this conversation, to help you overcome your weaknesses or work around them. And if you're not upfront about those weaknesses, very little can be accomplished. This person 
won't feel comfortable probably even giving you a recommendation if they don't feel like you're being candid about the things that you're not that great at. And it's not to say that you're terrible at them or that you're worse than everybody. It's just there's things that you're better at and things that you're not as good at. And so if you're worried about defending yourself, you're a lot less likely to hear the guidance that they've given you. If you're def- being defensive, it's harder for you to A, get good guidance and B, hear that guidance that they're giving you. We need to be upfront about our weaknesses so that we can accomplish stuff. It's not to say that your weaknesses are going to hold you back. It's simply to be aware of them. It's a little bit of self-awareness that will allow for this person to make a good recommendation. And then hopefully it will get you a position that's more suited, better suited to you and your career and your strengths. So by highlighting and being upfront and honest about some of our weaknesses, we're actually helping ourselves to gain a role in a position that will leverage our strengths in a way that can allow us to do better in our roles and eventually in our careers. And it's a bit like the project management thing. If you know when you're going to graduate and you know the steps to get there, then you can manage a project. There's there's evidence that you can manage a project. If you know what your weaknesses are, there's evidence that you are self-aware. And that's something else that's really valuable in the workplace. People who understand themselves and don't get upset when something goes wrong and it's one of their weaknesses or find workarounds around the things that they're bad at because they know what they're bad at is a really good thing. So not only here are you giving them more information in order to orient their guidance, you're also showing something that's valuable in the workplace. And if you want someone to give your resume to somebody else and say, this is a good guy, it's a good thing to have demonstrated that you're self-aware. Absolutely. So career guidance meetings can be really useful to you but they're also quite draining on the person that you're meeting. There's quite a lot of effort goes into trying to work out where the best place for someone is. You're asking them to put your resume forward or use their network and um, make a connection for you with someone else who might be useful. So you're putting quite a burden on the person that you're meeting. So you need to do your best to help them help you by treating the meeting seriously, being honest, and above all, being thankful for their time. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Wendy. Hope that was helpful. We'll see you next week.